Morning. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Brother Jimmy, you want to lead us? Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 10. <clears throat> Excuse me. Matthew chapter 10. Anybody remember what we're talking about? The apostles. Anybody remember which one? Andrew. All right, Matthew chapter 10. And then we're going to flip over and read John chapter 1. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 says, And when he called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We'll start reading. Uh, let's see. Let's just start in 35. Again, the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples. Now, which John is this? John the Baptist. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him uh, that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. All right, so we talked about Andrew. So some things we know about Andrew. Okay, he was the brother of Peter, the son of Jonah. He grew up in the city of, did that mess you up? He grew up in the region of Galilee and the city of Bethsaida. And he and his brother Peter eventually moved to a city called Capernaum where they had what kind of business? A fishing business. With who? James and John. <laughs> the brothers of, <laughs> I'm sorry, the, son, the sons of Zebedee. Yeah, I messed y'all up on that one. <laughs> good, good. The sons of thunder. Don't, don't give too much away. Because we're going to John and James later. Okay. <laughs> She's been trying to hit that Sons of Thunder for three weeks. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. So we thought we knew nothing about Andrew. We know quite a bit, actually. Now, a lot of that came out of us studying Peter, too. Um, but now Andrew, you know, something different about Andrew is he started out as, he didn't start out as a disciple of Jesus. He started out as a disciple of who? John the Baptist. And from this account we read, if you look in some other places, we see that 
It was John, the, what, what ended up being John the Apostle, and Andrew, who were here with John the Baptist and first started following Jesus. And so that's kind of what we talked about last week, among other things. Um, Andrew, evidently, the first to follow. And in the early church, I've read some things. Uh, be careful when you do that, by the way. Uh, realize none of that stuff's inspired, so um, you have to take all that with a grain of salt. But uh, a lot of what I've read said that, you know, Andrew was known as protocletos, which means first called. So they considered him the first one that started following Jesus. He had that designation. So that's really what we talked about. The other big thing we talked about was... And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get off too far into it yet. But we talked about him bringing his brother to Jesus. Now, I, you know, we'll talk about the results of that here in a minute or next week, one or the other. But he brought his brother. Now, you know, we think of these things, and sometimes some things we can't understand because we're not Jewish. We've talked about that. But these, these, um, some of these human characteristics and human passions we can definitely associate with. And again, you know, as we study these apostles, you know, we've talked about that's why. We're not just looking for facts about the apostles. You can read a book for that. What I want to do is show you who these men were and even their faults. The Bible's not silent on their faults and show us that if God can use these men... He can use us. Um, so he brought his brother. But he was the first one to follow. And make no mistake about it, he knew that when he brought Peter, think about it, it was just Andrew and John and Jesus. Until <laughs> he brought the loudmouth. <laughs> Until he brought his brother. And it wasn't long until Andrew was, re, 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 I don't want to say regulated. Re, I'm not even going to use that word. Andrew was put in secondary status. And Peter takes prominence. All in God's plan, but Andrew knew. I believe it with all my heart. He grew up with Peter. He knew Peter talked too much. He knew Peter thought he knew everything. You don't believe that? Read the Bible. He thought he knew everything. He was evidently a very good fisherman. So Peter, I have no doubt, you know, when you think about James and John and, and uh, Peter and Andrew having a fishing business, who was the boss? Peter. So Andrew knew full well that he had this really close relationship, and this is something we miss, a really close relationship with Jesus. And he knew, if I bring my brother, I'm going to fall away a little bit. But he loved him too much not to bring him to Jesus. He wanted his brother to know Jesus. Um, I think we'll say something about it later. As far as I can tell, that makes him the first home missionary. Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. So that's kind of what we talked about last week. We did look at a, at a passage. You know, Andrew, there's times he's just not mentioned much. About nine times. Nine times. And Peter's mentioned a whole lot more than that. I think 90. But 
when Andrew does step forward, something good is about to happen. I'm not saying he was sinless. He wasn't. But um, we looked at a passage in Luke 5 where it, that, that same passage is, is given in other gospel accounts. Um, and at least one of them, Andrew's name is mentioned, but in Luke's gospel, they, it, it, it's Andrew and it's Peter and it's James and it's John and all the gospel writers. Well, one gospel writer says all four. And the rest of the gospel writers leave Andrew out. <laughs> they don't leave out Peter. They don't even leave out James and John. They're there. Andrew is left out. Why? Um, Andrew, he was a person that didn't come to the forefront. Um, he played a quiet role. And like we said last week, I think, you know, his characteristics and leadership style is probably going to be one that you'd want to look at because most people are going to serve in that role. Most people are not going to be in the role of Peter. Most people are not going to be out front. Most people are going to be quiet, in the shadows, prayer warriors, being there, church needs something, stepping up, don't want nobody to know. That's going to be most people. And that was Andrew's type of role. But I think his, his, um, his, uh, his, his willingness to be in the shadows gave him insights into things these other guys that were focused on being out front didn't notice. And so who remembers the, the tag that we had with Andrew that I read in the book I told you about? You know, Peter, it was the apostle with a foot-shaped mouth. Do you remember what it was for Andrew? Well, we've only been talking about him a couple of weeks, but do you remember? The apostle of small things. He seemed to see the value in small things. And going further in a little bit, he seemed to see the value in just one. Just one soul. If we could just grasp that. You don't have to win thousands. Just one. What would it do to win just one soul? I'll give you an example of what it's done in history here in a minute. But I think his, his, his eagerness, well, I don't know that he was eager. Maybe he was. His acceptance of his life in the shadows allowed him to value these small things. And he's known for bringing people to Jesus. I think when we first talked about Andrew, I don't know if it was Mr. David or if it was uh, Jim Busby or somebody else. Somebody said, or maybe it was Brother Larry Seals when he was here. Um, he brought people to Jesus. He's known for that. I'm getting ahead of myself, but he is known for that. He's a soul winner. He, almost every time you see his, his name mentioned, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. Now, that's apart from being mentioned as the group of apostles. You know, there was Peter and Andrew and not, not that. When he's mentioned by himself, almost every time he's bringing somebody to Jesus. Um, let's look in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we're looking at this. Well, it's a miracle. John chapter 6. We're going to read, start reading in verse 1. John chapter 6, verse 1. And after these things, 
Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, we'll find out how many in a minute, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Notice, notice this. Um, this account is, is in, I think, every gospel, but in, this is the only gospel that mentions these next couple of details. And this he said to prove him. For he himself, talking about Jesus, knew what he would do. Now Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Now let's stop right there, just one second. So Jesus sees this multitude. I'll go ahead and tell you, I, I may have already said it before we read it, 5,000 men. How many people is it total? We don't know. Probably a lot more than that. Could be 15,000. Could be 20,000. Could be 25,000. We don't know. The Bible says 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So it's more than that. He sees this multitude, and Jesus turns to some of the gospel accounts, says his disciples, which is true. But he asks Philip in verse 5, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? He said, Philip, let's buy some bread so that these people may eat. Why did he ask Philip? I got, I got a, a secret for you. We don't know. <laughs> Maybe Philip was responsible for providing these type of things for the disciples and the apostles as they traveled. I don't know. But he asked Philip. Okay? Jesus and Philip. Keep that in mind. So far we've looked at Jesus, and now he's talking to Philip. Let's buy some bread. Philip looks out at this multitude. We're going to read a little more uh, of this in Matthew where he gives a little different detail. Same account. They don't contradict each other, just different details. But Philip looks at these 20,000 people. What would you have done, Johnny? <laughs> We've got 20,000 people that have showed up to hear Brother Kevin preach. And we've got to feed them. And we ain't got really no money. What you going to do? <laughs> and it ain't a potluck. They ain't bringing their own stuff. Philip said, 200 penny worth not enough to feed these people. Well, that's great, but what's 200 penny worth? Anybody besides Brother David Box know? <laughs> or Miss Peggy, she's by marriage, so just count them as one. 200 penny worth of bread. A penny, and we talked about this when we did our, our study on the end times in Revelation. A penny, it's a denarius. It was a day's wage. So you worked all day, the standard laborer, would work all day for what the King James Bible says is a penny, a denarius. You worked all day for it. Now, don't forget, in Revelation, what does it say about that? It gets to a point 
to where, if you, if you want to talk about it in today's terms, inflation is so outrageous that it says um, a measure of wheat can be bought for a penny. Or three measures of barley. Barley was, mu- barley was animal food. You can get a measure of wheat or three measures of barley, and it's coming, folks. <laughs> a measure of wheat and three measures of barley for a penny. You had to work. What, what, well, what is a measure? What could you do with a measure of wheat or three measures of barley? You could, a measure, you can make a loaf. So you could have a loaf of bread. So that means that somebody worked all day to buy a loaf of bread. Now, it's going to be much worse than this. But just think about it nowadays. I don't even know. Let's just say for numbers that somebody made $20 an hour. They worked eight hours a day. That's $160. A loaf of bread costs $160. Now, we're speaking in American terms. They, could, they worked all day to just provide the basic food for their family in that time. That time's coming. So 200 penny worth. So if you look at the Jew, the Jew, I mean, they had, they used, for, for the most part, they used 30 days in a month. So um, don't do 31 if you do the math. But 200, 200 pennies, 200 denarius, 200 days labor. So how many, how long would it take? Uh, Philip's saying, you could work, we could have worked six or seven months and we can't buy enough bread to feed these people. A massive amount of people. And Jesus said, you provide them bread, Chris. <laughs> you. They didn't know what to do. Well, not everybody, because we're about to read about something. But in Matthew 14, I won't have you turn there for time's sake. This is a, it's a little bit of more detail added here. And when it was evening, his disciples came unto him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. His disciples came and said, Send these people away. They're hungry. The Passover is nigh. Let them go buy food for themselves. Jesus said, they don't need to leave. You give them something to eat. What? (laughs) It seemed like a hopeless situation. And then somebody steps forward. Look at verse 8. I think we'll probably talk about it later, but he's not mentioned much, but when it's time to step forward, he shines. (laughs) Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, is that, listen, is this what it says? One of his disciples, Andrew, saith unto him, is that what it says? No. They wanted enough people to even know who Andrew was, they had to say, hey, that's Simon Peter's brother. (laughs) They all knew Simon Peter. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, to Jesus, There's a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Andrew 
brought this lad to Jesus. Now, even Andrew, even in his human mind, he don't know what they can do with this. I, I don't know what we're going to do with five barley loaves and two fishes. But I'm going to take it, and I'm going to take it to the only one I know that can do anything with it. And so they found the lad in the crowd. Um, I don't know that we read it. But they find the lad, and they bring him to Jesus. Now, I think Andrew, you know, we read there where Jesus said, uh, give ye them to eat. Um, I think Andrew knew enough about Jesus, and the others did too, but we forget this so often. I think Andrew knew enough about Jesus to know he wouldn't tell me to do something if we couldn't do it. <laughs> and he had told him to provide bread for him, give him something to eat. So he knew that if Jesus said do it, we can do it. But he knew it's not going to be in our power because all we got is five barley loaves and two fishes. And so he brought it to Jesus. It is not the significance of the gift that matters, but the one you bring the gift to. I'm the treasurer. But do you know, and, so, and most of the time, Colby gathers the money out of the offering plate and puts it in the, in the money bag, <clears throat> and I take it home. And this don't happen that much. But do you know what? I just, I, I get tickled. It thrills my soul every time when I pick that bag up and I can tell there's a little, there's, there's a little bit of coin in there. And I open it up, and it's checks, and it's cash, and it's missionary envelopes. And then there's a dime and two pennies. And I don't know if it's true, but I think some kid just wanted to give something. And so they put that dime and two pennies. And I know God smiled when they did it. I think that every time. It is not the value of the gift, but the one you bring it to. And Jesus, uh, yeah, well, Jesus, yeah, the Bible teaches us this same thing. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. And he looked up, and this is Jesus, and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. That wasn't much. And he said, Of a truth I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have out of their abundance cast in, cast in under the offerings of God, but she out of her penury 
hath cast in all the living that she had. She put, there's no telling what these other people were putting in. There's no telling. I don't know what it was. Gold, silver, I, I have no idea. A bunch of stuff. But they were given out of their abundance. They had an abundant more than that. And so for them to give, maybe it wasn't a big thing. Now, there are rich people that give, and they do it with the right heart, and that's great. There are plenty of people who give with the wrong heart. And there are plenty of people who want to get in an argument about giving 10%. I'm not going to get off on that. <laughs> but this woman gave, Jesus said, all she had. And she gave nothing in human eyes. But Jesus said she gave all, all she had, and that made it more valuable than all the other gifts that these other people were putting in out of their abundance. It's not the gift that matters. It's the one you bring it to and the heart that you bring it with. So Andrew brought these five loaves and two fishes. I guess you want to see what happens. <laughs> I don't even think I planned on reading that. So back in John, I'll read it real quick. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. This is John 6, 10. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. And the disciples of them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. They gave them all they wanted. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets, don't worry about why, with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that shall come into the world. He fed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. I don't know how he did it. I don't know what he did. I know that the baskets or whatever they were carrying around never got empty. <laughs> They gave 20,000 people enough to where they were sick of eating. So Andrew, bringing people to Jesus. There's another account we'll cover real quick in Luke chapter 21. Oh, nope, I'm sorry, wrong. I'm sorry, it's John 12. I've already been in Luke 21. Got my notes backwards. John 12. John 12. Verse 20. So these people are together. Jesus has come into the city, his triumphal entry. Um, Pharisees are complaining about it. And verse 20 of John chapter 12 says, And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which is of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. 
Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. So you've got this crowd. This is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. You've got this crowd. And among the crowd, there's some Greeks. What are Greeks? Gentiles. What are Gentiles? <laughs> Us, non-Jews. You got Jews and everybody else is Gentile. You had some Greeks come and they wanted to see Jesus. And the Bible says, they came to Philip and said unto him, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, why? Why didn't Philip just take them to Jesus himself? We don't know, but any thoughts? Andrew had a history of bringing people to Jesus. And Philip, maybe, maybe, we, we don't know. This is speculation, okay? It's just, it's just a question. Maybe Philip didn't have that kind of relationship with Jesus. Maybe he did. This is speculation. Maybe he didn't. Um, maybe Philip let himself get in his own head. Think about what Jesus said. Let me read this real quick. Um, and I hope this is right. In Matthew 10, um, verse 5 said, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not. But rather go, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And there's another one. I won't take time to read. There's even a time when a woman comes to Jesus, a Gentile woman, and needs help. And Jesus says, why would I take the children's meat and give it to dogs? That would have made some of y'all mad and y'all have got up and left. And your daughter wouldn't have gotten no, any help? She said, yeah, but, but even dogs eat the crumbs <laughs> from the table. Maybe Philip knew and was thinking too much about Jesus saying, I'm focused on Israel. I'm focused on Israel. I'm focused on Israel. And these are Greeks. Maybe that was it. But either way, he brought them to Andrew. And what did Andrew do? Without delay, I think. Brought him to Jesus. So these Greeks wanted to see Jesus, and they were able to see Jesus because Andrew brought them to him. And I'm so backwards, I have no clue where I'm at. So, um, Andrew seemed to be comfortable. 
bringing people to Jesus? Are you? Am I? Do you have any practice? Why or why not? Those are the things we need to think about. So when, Jesus, when Andrew brought his brother Philip to Jesus, I said he was the first home missionary. Um, now he's bringing Greeks to Jesus. He might have been the first foreign missionary. Andrew was a man that brought people to Jesus. He seemed to realize the value of a single soul, and that's what I'm going to talk about next time. He seemed to realize the value of just one. Don't focus on the group. Don't focus on how big the problem is. Just get one at a time. It, it's like, um, I don't know if it's, it's necessarily a joke or not, but, um, you know, I've heard before somebody say, how do you eat an elephant? Kids are going, oh, can't eat an elephant. You eat an elephant, that's disgusting. One bite at a time. Get them one at a time. One at a time. One at a time. Andrew. The apostle of small things and the apostle who brought people to Jesus. And next time we're going to talk about um, the importance of realizing value in one single soul. Okay, Hunter, you want to dismiss us?